Welcome once again to the Sad Boys Book Club. I'm Daniel. And today we are talking about Annihilation. No, not not the word uh, indicating devastation, nor any sort of uh, metaphysical concepts related to the sort of ultimate destruction of matter, but rather Jeff Vandermeer's uh, first book in the Southern Reach trilogy. Yeah, here I thought you were about to get all existential on me. <laughs> no, that's 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 in the the actual Sad Boys podcast. Yeah, Sad Boys no, no. Revelations. <laughs> so, I guess I guess we'll we'll start. Um, so I, I've heard quite a bit about this book over the years. Um, you know, a lot of people kind of like to talk about it as a, as a sort of a, a standard bearer, I guess you could say, of like the new 21st century, uh, I guess they would call it weird fiction, uh, with a little bit of it, like an eco-fiction bent to it. Uh, so weird fiction, for, for those uh, who may not be as familiar with the term, refers to a certain kind of it's kind of horror adjacent proto sci-fi especially in its time um, particularly when when you think about early such figures is like well Poe isn't quite in there but he's like a he's like a godfather of it so to say but like you're really thinking of somebody like an HP Lovecraft um, when you're thinking about uh, traditional weird fiction and um, I was this is something that that I, 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 I've always kind of had like a like a vague interest to and I've never I've, I've never gotten like too deep into it besides like the a lot of like the, the big uh, obvious sorts of, of weird fiction you know you're yeah, I've not read exhaustively but you know I've read a bit of Lovecraft, particularly the more famous works. Um, but it's always something that's kind of interested me, you know, this idea of something that is, it's, it's, well, fundamentally just weird. I think, I think weirdness, however we define it, is, is just, has always been something that's kind of, uh, I think it's, it's, it's really as, as a reader or as anything, you know, there are, I think there are, forms of weird fiction in in film and uh you know you know some, some of the the lynch or or even carpenter springs to mind um you know and in tv but there's just something about this idea of the the unknown and seemingly unknowable that i think particularly for me i find deeply fascinating so that's just one of the reasons why i was uh, interested in this uh tackling this book this time around yeah um you recommended it or you suggested it rather and my first thought was i wonder if this is um if this has any ties to that natalie portman movie from a couple years ago and i didn't mm -hmm. get an answer to that until today when i i was talking to one of my friends i was just like yeah you ever read annihilation and he's like, I don't even know what that is. And I'm like, I don't know. It might have something to do with that Natalie Portman movie. And I looked it up and I'm like, oh, it does. It was based on this book. I haven't seen the movie, uh, but I heard it was very good. 
So that that that's the extent of my knowledge of Annihilation. I was like, oh, it might be tied to that movie, and it, it is. Once again, we are we're doing a book that has a movie adaptation that um, purely coincidental <laughs> uh, has nothing to do. I I have seen the film, um, but uh, to the point where we've read for the purposes of this podcast, I think it is. Um, I would regard it as distinct enough as that I don't I don't feel like I've I have a specific insight or a predisposition towards anything specifically uh, based on having seen the movie. I think they're fundamentally different enough. Although there are there are like some certain overlapping plot points. Um, broadly, I think they're they're pretty significantly different. What what do you go, coming into this? Uh, I guess before we we break into it, what are what are your thoughts about it so far? So, um, I always kind of before this week would occasionally get Annihilation and Arrival confused because I haven't seen either of those movies, and I was like, the Arrival is the one with. Rachel, is it Rachel Mc... No, Amy Adams. Amy Adams is in Arrival, yeah. and that's the one with, like, some sort of fog or veil or something with, like, a... Sh- I don't know. I haven't seen either. I would get the two confused. Um, so going into this, I'm like, is this a, is this the... One, is this based on... If this, is this that movie... What it was, what that movie was based on? And two, is this, like, Aliens or something? I, I don't... I don't remember. I, I don't know, because I haven't seen it so um yeah i was just kind of expecting a natalie portman thriller kind of thing going into it and i feel like so far it's not it's not that's that's not entirely wrong it's not wholly wrong but it's also not wholly right um it's just i i this 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 book um there is a, a lot of descriptions of various lichens and algaes and um, very it gets very into the the minutia of, of plant life and of I guess the the ecology of area X which is um, this area in I think it's supposed to be in Florida although that may be just me grafting that on from what I know about the origin of the book. Um, I, it's it's this area of, of Florida that has become separate in certain respects. There is a there is a threshold between that and the rest of the world as we know it. Um, and as such, uh, there's there's a lot of like it's kind of it kind it's much similar to the ways like um, certain like exclusionary areas like. Uh, for example, like the area around Chernobyl, um, have like as they after they or like Fukushima or something like that, um, a- a- after these sort of cataclysmic events that necessitate uh, the evacuation of, of people, um, a lot of the local wildlife can change in very interesting or possibly unexpected ways, um, and that seems to be uh, extra so for Area X. And I guess kind of the, the that's kind of the the whole idea is like this it's it's, it's it gets very into the minutia of the ecology of this area. Yeah. Well, we are our main character is a biologist, so that is 
It's not surprising in the slightest. No, and they... This is, they are very... Um, it's kind of interesting because for all intents and purposes, all she is to us is the biologist. Yep. Uh, one thing that's kind of interesting is that I don't think there are any named characters in this book. Nope. The only thing we've gotten in terms of any form of proper noun is Southern Reach or Area X. Yeah, Southern Reach, which is... This 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 is one of the weirder parts of the book for me. It's it's the idea that's that's the governmental agency that is in charge of this um, anomalous location zone. zone. I guess that's a better place for yeah. a better word for it. That does it, that to me does not even in the slightest sound like the name of of a government entity. I feel like it should be something like the Bureau of. I don't know, anomalous ecology or something like that. You know what this kind of gives me vibes of is a very professionally written SCP entry. Yeah, you know, and this this came out in 2014, which was kind of like, that was kind of what was in the air, you know, in, in the broader, like, I mean, it's it's not, I need to be careful. I don't want to be, speak overly broad here, but like, it's it like like all of the this like sort of um, creepy pastas and and like that kind of thing. I wouldn't necessarily describe strictly as literature. There's because there's a certain there's certain markers, um, not necessarily just in terms of quality, but in terms of just like things that make it what it is. That kind of like keep it as somewhat distinct from like the broader literary tradition, but. But yeah, that I that I think that picks up on something very important that at this time that was just something that was in the air this idea of like governmental agencies that are in charge of like these strange and unknowable um circumstances. Yeah. Which I will say that the kind of uh the trappings that you can get from user generated content is there's a lot of nonsense and bullshit in there. A lot of really bad things. You can get this for creepypastas or SCP or anything. But there's also a lot of really, really good things in there as well. There's a lot of really talented writers that were able to use those as a jumping off point into a writing career, which is very cool. So, I don't feel like it's necessarily insulting to say that this book reminds me of something like an SCP entry or professional I gotta really emphasize professional SCP entry, not just you know uh, Johnny Nine to Five who on the weekends writes out a little blurb that he posts onto SCP.org or whatever the website is. Yeah, because I mean, it, it does have all the trappings of uh, of what you would see in a really good SCP, in, at least in terms of a, of an anomalous zone, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there there was a lot of those interesting ones that came out um, around that time. I think I don't know. I think I think that's kind of an interesting idea. Is like the SC, SCP. I think that was kind of a um, a sort of weird fiction movement in and of itself, as this sort of like uh, decentralized storytelling, you know, online user generated peer influenced sort of well like all all art is influenced by its peers but especially 
directly in this sense um but you, you know what i mean yeah yeah so that, that was kind of something that was just kind of in the air and i think it still to a certain extent is a fairly a fairly widespread phenomenon i I don't think it's as big as it necessarily was at the time, but I, I think people still uh, get really into that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it all it was always pretty fringe, but it, it got pretty loud from, I would say, maybe like 2012 to 2016 or 17, and now it's kind of gone back to being fringe. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, I could be way wrong, I don't know. Yeah. Every now and again, I'll go and like watch something that's somewhat creepypasta or SCP-related just to kind of like... Just see what kind of what's going on, because you know, like I said, you can find some really, really good stories in those kinds of forums. You can also find some really, really bad ones and some hilariously bad ones. But every now and again, you can find some really good like, stuff there. Like, like, um, who, who was, was phone? Yeah. Um, like, um, the the day of all the blood. Oh my god, that Ho- that might be my what, favorite. What, what was it? Hook hand car door. Yeah. I can't remember what that one was. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Well, let me, let me, yeah, but yeah. So, so that that's kind of like to give you a, a kind of a, a general overview. Um, I'm gonna be honest, not super like in love with this so far. With the book? Yeah. I mean, I'm not sitting here thinking, man, this is the greatest book I've ever read. But um, I, I'm I'm enjoying it i i'm just like yeah this is this is fine this is just a very this book is entertaining me enough to where i don't really feel like i am slogging through it but it's not captivating me to where i feel like i can't put it down Mm -hmm. which is that's not an indictment or uh a massive praise either it's just it's a good book so far that's it that's really it for me it's a good book yeah maybe we can kind of get into it as we go along and maybe Maybe I can brush up some of the things that I, I w- reasons why it's not exactly grabbing me. Yeah. Uh, but we'll go ahead and we we'll go ahead and get started. Um, I, I will say real quick. Um, sure. This this book does something that I have. Um, I don't want to say grew out of because I don't think it has anything to do with maturity or age. Um, I'm gonna say it's something that I've kind of gotten away from in my personal interest in in reading literature and that is first person perspective that's kind of one of my problems with it too it it's not strictly speaking the first person perspective it's the first person perspective in conjunction with a couple of important factors uh one of which being um all of the characters are written broadly pretty samey and are also all very nondescript nondescript they're not really there's like okay well i'll just mention this you know this is kind of a spoiler off the rip but this is full a full spoiler podcast uh i should Uh, mention really quickly uh we're covering chapters one and two today we'll cover chapters three four and five next week yeah um the the main character our, our our point of view character the biologist is a very uh taciturn person and she doesn't seem to have a lot of like internal life slash uh much of a personality outside of her specific 
career interests. Um, which, you know, I, I think that's more acceptable if you were to meet a person actually like that. But when you are using that person as a point of view character for uh, extended periods of time, after a while, you, you kind of get a little tired of, I had no friends because I was just too serious about my work. My husband did not, did not, I, me and my husband did not have a relationship because he was just too frivolous and I was too serious about my work, which is fossil, well not fossils, which is lichens because there was a swimming pool when I was a kid and nobody, I didn't have any friends and so I just stared at the swimming pool and was like, wow, those tadpoles, tadpoles are great. I'm really, and, and you know, that it just, it's it all just kind of, it, this all just kind of revolves around her, a very sort of single-mindedness of the character that is, it's, it's, it's just, and maybe, maybe somebody could do this, but I just don't think Vandermeer is making it, at least from my perspective, he, I don't think he's, he's pulled off, like, this idea about this person being, um, really interesting and I think especially because we get that first person perspective and all all we're, we're we're constantly just feeding into this perspective and it's just kind of this this looping general like very taciturn very to the point not a lot of like at least to the point where we're at in the book maybe there are some changes later um there's just not a lot of rumination I don't know the character is not really giving you a lot to work with to like relate to them or to to take a specific interest in them beyond they are the ones relating the events do you do you kind of does that kind of make sense yeah i think i get what you're saying uh, i i, I yeah. do feel like his um his decision to have these characters only be their job title i think kind of really lends credence to your point uh, because we don't we don't necessarily see her as Jane the biologist. Uh, we just see her as the biologist. It's almost kind of like taking a little bit of the human factor out of it. I think that's a good way to put it. Because all of the well, not all, but uh, let's see, there are four four characters that are go on this this um, expedition, and they're all pretty similar. With the distinguishing aspect of them being their job. So they're all pretty like... Um, with the exception of the anthropologist. They're all fairly like straight to the point. Brusque individuals. And you know th there's nothing wrong with being that kind of person. And there's nothing wrong with... In theory with like having these characters in your novel. But it's kind of... It makes it... I don't know. It's, it doesn't make it a very engaging read when every character is very similar. But what is different, um, specifically, at least to this point in the book, um, is their outlook is informed pretty much solely by their profession. And so that it, it's it's less like... The, con the conflicts, the interpersonal conflicts that arise are less so because of the, like the different aspects of the individuals but of like different sort of tensions between different professional disciplines and maybe specific uh roles that they are assigned 
as part of their specific work uh, on this expedition. Yeah. Uh, I will say, um, and I, 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 I you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm kind of going back on myself a little bit, but like I, I generally, I'm not as fond of first-person perspective anymore. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say, I don't think this book would have worked near as well if it was third person. Well, like I said, I think if it were third person, you, you'd really have to do a lot more work to differentiate the characters. Yeah. And it does, um, it kind of, it seems to me, based on how it's written, I don't remember the exact, because, you know, every first person and third person is the umbrella for the general perspective but even under the umbrella there are different branches of perspective that that fit first or third and you know obviously mm-hmm. second as well but no, almost no one writes in second um i can't remember what it's called the type of first person perspective that's done through like journal entries or diary uh epistolary novel is what you're looking for epistolary um yeah because like it, it, I've kind of gathered from, I I think this is this is written in first person epistolary, because um, I remember there was a line where the biologist was like, they had us, that we have our journals that we were supposed to write in, kind of like this one. It was like a line that's like kind of like that, and I'm like, okay, so this isn't supposed to just be some first person, omniscient kind of thing or whatever it's called. I don't know what the actual I know third person omniscient is a thing but i don't know what the first person would be like with something like a standard first person where it's like just someone retelling the story of i did this and then this happened and then i went and did this mm-hmm. but yeah it does seem like this is supposed to be in the context of like some professional journal like like the one that they are given and this is the biologist writing in it uh like throughout the day or at the end of the day but there's no like journal entries it's still written in a traditional novel sense yeah, you know, maybe the maybe the epistolary format could have helped it somewhat to give it at least a sort of stylistic um, lift. You know what I mean? Like, give it give it some sort of something because having it the way it is currently, where it's all just you know, just like you're saying that the first person perspective. Um, but it's also supposed to be like this sort of report it just doesn't quite that's another thing that isn't quite working for me um and i don't mean i've talked about all these things that don't work i don't think it's like a a bad or terrible book it's just i'm just pointing out things that reasons why maybe i'm not as enthused about it as you know when we were you know reading some of these other books i feel like the the kind of journalistic nature of it does um it does i i think it kind of adds a little what am i trying to say here i think this book being written in an almost kind of journalistic or like uh, professional report kind of approach does make the um the flashbacks the frequent flashbacks and the 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 lack of structure behind them make a little more sense too because there really is a lot of back and forth between what is the the present of the story and these flashbacks that are mostly dealing with uh, at first um, the kind of lead up 
to the mm-hmm. expedition. This is Expedition 12 into Area X. Um, but then mm-hmm. we get a little more flashbacks later on about um, the biologist and her husband, who we learn was part of Expedition 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it is. it is like... It's not like a true stream of conscious sort of style, but it is very... There are elements of it where they she will weave in these recollections um that from the past that sort of inform the present in such a way that it is it, it does kind of make it, it would be kind of difficult if in the in the or maybe not difficult but a little bit odd of an odd choice if she's logging that in some sort of official accounting of her experiences uh in in the in area x yeah, I will say though I do feel like it transitions very smoothly. I, I think that every every flashback so far, be it her and her husband or preparations for the trip itself, I feel like they fit very nicely in between uh, the sections of the present as the story's being told. I haven't felt really jarred out of it, kind of like I did sometimes with Johnny Truant in House of Leaves. Mm-hmm. But I think feel like on, in House of Leaves, like that sort of disjunction. Is that a word? I don't know. Disjointedness is is really the point in a lot of those sections. Sure. I, I would agree with that. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like... Uh, somebody definitely, be it Vandermeer or his editor or, you know, a combination of the two, made a conscious effort to make sure that the narrative flow made sense with these these this mixed timeline, so to say. And I appreciate that because it does make the reading experience very smooth. That's fair. Um, I'm not near as critical on this book as you are so far. I'm going to go as far as to to venture a guess to say because um, I don't share a lot of your critiques. I don't... I I, I, I totally... Well, I I agree, but I don't, I guess, hold them as heavily as a critique as you do, I guess. I mean, with different things, I I think people, when it comes to their feelings about about a book or about any kind of work of art that we we all weight things differently you know and um you know it's probably just a function of that it's like things that i the things that are are kind of coming off to me as being like you know maybe you agree with my critique broadly but you you it's it's not it doesn't sour it for you as much as it would for me that kind of thing yeah i feel like i feel like um I don't say this as this is where I'm actually at or where you're actually at, but I feel like where we're at right now is it's a difference between you being at like a six and me being at like a seven. Yeah, I think I think that's probably pretty fair because I mean, I mean, it's not. I'm not saying this book is is bad. I think especially for the right reader, this book would be quite engaging. It's just I have specific criticisms of it. Um, one such criticism is that the chapters are pretty big, pretty long, and as such make very di- for, for make it more difficult for um your beloved podcasters to break it up specifically so we're we're gonna dis- in the in our remaining time we're going to discuss um the first two chapters of this of this book um so as this book starts um you get a, this crew of four um 
I'm just going to use the term. Well, no, they're not all scientists. I, I but feel like it, all... it, it's it's applicable enough. I wouldn't call a surveyor a scientist, but I think you can you can just include her into the global umbrella of scientists just to make it easier. <laughs> okay, so for so so at the beginning of the book, we have the four characters of the biologist, the anthropologist, the surveyor, and the psychologist. Um, four four people or four women. Uh, that are that are trained in sort of distinct disciplines that um, this vaguely described government entity are sending into this area called Area X um, to sort of discuss or to, to kind of like discover and and research various um, the various anomalies that exist therein. Um, in, in this specific team, the psychologist is, um, she essentially functions as the leader. Um, oh, I, I guess I should point this out. This is kind of an interesting, I guess, interesting aspect of the book. Um, all the characters that are on the expedition are, are uh, women. Um, so that, that, that's kind of interesting. They were, they were intentionally chosen because they wanted this expedition to be completely women. Yeah. So that that's kind of interesting. I would like I'm I'm curious, um, like long term, if there what what the specific payoff is there, or if it's it's more going to be like a a more subtle sort of thing, or maybe like a more commentary. Um, but yeah, so that you got the biologist, the anthropologist, the surveyor, and the psychologist to all sort of like engage in specific their their specific disciplines in the area. Um, I should mention that the reason that they're sending an anthropologist, um, you know, maybe you're wondering if you haven't read the book, why are they sending an anthropologist to this weird ecology place? Well, the reason is it used to be part of like a, maybe not like a metro area, but there was like towns and people there and there's like, there is like existent, um, you know, habitation by humans there. And I guess there's sort of like this idea, you know, it's, it is kind of interesting, this idea of sending her, not, not just to sort of catalog the, you know, the experiences of the humans that do go, but to maybe, maybe investigate, you know, how maybe the latent uh, nature of, of Area X may have impacted um, previously existing human settlements and that kind of thing. I, um the surveyor, I think it's pretty self-explanatory why she, you'd send a surveyor to just kind of, you know, monitor things to, to and map things and whatnot. And the psychologist who the book d- describes as having had a, quote, managerial background um, is essentially she's the leader. And um, she has this sort of weird, I don't want to say necessarily power, but she has this training in using hypnosis and that's that's kind of a uh, an ever-present thread throughout the the novel at least to this point is her using this sort of power of hypnosis over the uh, other people on this expedition to kind of well manage their you know their their behaviors and kind of like make sure that the that this expedition essentially is carried out the way I think we're supposed to be led to believe the way that the, this government entity is wanting it to uh, bear out. 
So anyway, they, 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 she puts them all under hypnosis and they, they cross the border to go into the, uh, into the area. Um, I think the hypnosis was like to like keep them from freaking out or something. Anyway, so they, they go on this, this hike and it's, it's a long way. And, you know, they, they describe a little bit about the area at first and how, you know, like I said before, it's, if, if you've ever, if you've ever been to parts of Florida, you know, you, you kind of get the idea, you know, you got the. The swamp, the salt marsh, the, you know, maybe the more wooded area, you know, forest wooded areas, that kind of thing. And, you know, they're all, they're all existing in very close proximity. And that's why we kind of have the biologist here, or that's why she interprets she's on the mission is because she's able to see like all these, these transitional habitats existing in, um, pretty surprising, uh, proximity. So you know normal world minecraft world whatever um so so they're 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 going and they have their supplies and what's interesting is they they have they 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 take with them a, was it a couple of years worth of supplies something like that i think it was six months worth of supplies but there were two years worth of supplies at base camp already that's that that's right so yeah, they go in with a, with a lot of uh, supplies. So I, I figured it was gonna we were kind of getting ourselves into almost another um, Stephen King, The Shining kind of like cabin fever scenario because they were coming in with such um, such an amount of supplies. But uh, one of the things that they they that's kind of interesting here also is that they do not have a lot of like contemporary technology like there was was it something like everything had to be at least 30 years old it was something like that like like the digital technology or like contemporary technology was not allowed like in the in the area yeah which um, the weird thing about that too was that they couldn't even have things like compasses which are you know a lot older than 30 years but it seemed like you could only have relatively analog technology but with a couple of exceptions as well including firearms and then the their little um their little belt buckle sensor with the red light in the center oh yeah so there's this poorly um explained thing device that they have to wear that they, they clip onto their belts it's like a a little a black box of sorts uh where it's got like a little little light on there and if the light glows red, then they have to vacate their area, the area that they're in, um, within 30 minutes. Um, they, excuse me, they do not know what it measures. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting that it's like, okay, well, yeah, if it glows red, you have 30 minutes to get out of there. But like, do you have, there's no way to give like a, a strong... I guess you have to just keep going until the light turns out, and then you know you're in a safe distance. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of the thing. So they they get to their base camp, um, and they're they're sort of they're 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 already kind of disoriented um, from from the hike. They they don't have a lot of um, they, they they don't have a lot of uh, memories or recollections from the the hike and there's all they also kind of mention um the the on the previous expedition there everybody from from expedition 11 
uh, eventually, I don't want to say deserted because it's not like a military operation, but it was kind of like that. Is like every everybody on the last crew, they just kind of like showed up back at their homes without seemingly any recollection specific to their uh, to their to their expedition, and so that's one of the one of the uh, the the questions that they're tasked with uh, researching here. And uh, so they, they're, they're essentially getting there. They get to their base camp. They're, they're setting up. And, um, you know, they, they, uh, they, they, they rest a couple of days. And then they go out to find um, what, what the biologist refers to as the tower. And um, it's, it's this sort of... This is, this is a, a point of contention with her and her compatriots whether it is a, quote, tower or a tunnel. For some reason, the biologist is very adamant in calling it the tower, uh, despite it not um, projecting above the ground, but rather uh, going below the ground. Counterpoint, it's a tower. Just because it's going in the ground does not mean that it can't be a tower. Towers don't have to raise above the ground to a massive height. I'm with the biologist on this one. It's not a tunnel, it's a tower. I mean, I think it's more of a tower than it is a tunnel. When I think of ta- tunnel, I'm thinking more horizontal rather than directly down, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know traditionally a tower is, you think of a large, stretching uh No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying um, that, like, a tunnel is not a good descriptor because when you think of a tunnel, I picture it as being like a, like, hor- like you're going through something. Like, yeah, definitely uh, horizontal. T- yeah, so... I, I don't I don't understand specifically what the the problem is with the with calling it a tower, but her her compatriots they seem to get weirded out by her referring to it as such. Um, they they uh, 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 the, one of the things that she remembers um, is as they were coming in there was a a lighthouse uh, that they passed on the coast on the way there. And she she views this tunnel as being connected with that somehow, um, in a way that she is not able to really uh, define at this point. And uh, she, I think there's a there's a quote there where she says something about, uh, at first I only saw it as a tower. I don't know why the word tower came to me, given that it tunneled into the ground. I could just as easily have considered a bunker or a submerged building. Yet as soon as I saw the staircase, I remembered the lighthouse on the coast and had a sudden vision of the last expedition drifting off, one by one, sometime thereafter the ground shifting in a uniform and unplanned way to leave the lighthouse standing where it had, uh, it had always been, but depositing this underground part of it inland. I saw this in vast and intricate detail as we all stood there and, <clears throat> and looking back, I mark it as the first irrational thought I had once we reached our des- our destination. The first irrational thought. Yeah. So so that's that's sort of an interesting idea, um, and this is kind of where we start to get into like this is the beginning of the weird fiction aspect of like this idea of these like metaphysical w- weird inexplainable like connections that are like projecting into her mind and that kind of thing so 
I don't know. I I, I, f- I find this. I don't know. There's something about the t- the the setting of the tower that is uh, rather intriguing to me. Um, but the surveyor, however, is uh, is a little bit surprised at at the the tower when they arrive at the tower because it is not. It wasn't on any of the maps, and um, the anthropologist who was at one point an architect. Um, I, that's an interesting sort of cross training of skills, but uh, the art, the anthropologist is you know she's looking at the materials that that comprise the tower, and she's having a hard time identifying, you know, what materials were used to in its construction, and uh, so they're they're kind of at the tower. They they can't um, they're kind of like debating what to do. They there's they mention um, that they're not able to radio in to uh, control or any any specific group to sort of say hey we found this thing that wasn't on the map because for some reason it would contaminate the experiment or the expedition it's kind of it's and they and they also just have no means of doing it um, so that that's kind of a, that was kind of another thing that that comes up to kind of really solidify this idea of this this theme of isolation you know and uh so they're so that that's pretty much it they are uh, you know they're writing i think they, they they talk about at this point um you know writing in their journals and and like they're they're supposed to they, that's i think when they they cap they they um not capture they they explain the conceit of the the writing style of the novel is that we are seeing we're you know the writings of the of the biologist in this case yeah and so uh, go ahead no i was just saying yeah so they're they're kind of talking about it still and and the, the the psychologist is um she's kind of like leading the discussion and kind of like in in a way that's a certain that that is very true to her perhaps her her formal former managerial background she's kind of trying to steer the conversation in a in a in the way that she's like wow you know isn't this really interesting Should, we're all very excited about the the tunnel aren't we and um and the biologist notes that that the the t- her tone is that um is uh there's something off about it that kind of like gives it a it, it sort of strange and disingenuous vibe and uh, so even though that she's kind of she's obviously excited that they found this thing that's not on the map but she's kind of like she has this sort of like this is kind of where this kind of begins this idea of the the distrust and mistrust uh between the the, the members of the expedition um so the 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 surveyor she's not really um she's pretty non-committal about it she just kind of like she's like eh, that's almost literal like that's pretty much that's pretty much how the surveyor communicates in this in this book heretofore and the anthropologist who is portrayed um as as probably the most easygoing member of this um kind of a go along to get along sort of person she she is she just kind of accedes to whatever the the psychologist is saying about this and um 
one thing that's kind of interesting here is uh, the book drops a, a self-spoiler. Um, the biologist says something to the effect of she's not going to use the other names of the, of the other people because it's not important. Um, because, of, you know, as part of their training, they've uh, dehumanized themselves or whatever. They're, they're, they've kind of left that part of their lives behind. And besides, only the surveyor will be will be alive beyond the next day. So that was kind of an interesting, not to not to keep taking us back to King, but that is something King does from time to time is like this dropping this like self spoiler in into the uh, into the work. Um, I'm not always a fan. I think generally speaking, I'm not a fan. I like to just kind of discover events as they unfold. Maybe give me some like foreshadowing, but like, don't directly tell me what's going to happen. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of one foot in both camps with that because I feel like sometimes it's just like ah, uh, you just kind of take away the mystique of something that could possibly mean more if if you get to experience it naturally instead of being told before it happens. But then on the other hand, if it's done correctly, I feel like it kind of sets a thing to where you're trying to. It's a situation kind of like where if you if you're going through something a second time and you know what's going to happen you're just you're you're just desperately hoping that something changes this time like the character doesn't do the thing that leads to whatever happens like you know no arthur don't go and do that that um loan uh that loan shark mission uh, for Air Strauss, don't go attack the guy with tuberculosis. Don't do it, Arthur. You know, a situation kind of like that. And I don't know. the The first example that jumped to my mind of of something that I think does that really well is Moulin Rouge. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie. Oh, that that's fair. I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's like always bad. I think you you have a you 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 raise a good point. But I think in this this um, instance. Um, it takes away a lot of the suspense uh, of what is to come. Unless you're me and you forgot which character it was that was that she mentioned as won't be alive the next day, and I'm sitting there thinking like, was it the the anthropologist or the psychiatrist that she said wouldn't be around the next day? And then when they wake up and the anthropologist is gone, and I'm like, ah, that one. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I hadn't quite gotten the characters. This kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about how they're all kind of the same character. Their only difference is their title. Um, mm-hmm. That that's I kind of I, I wasn't I don't think any character had differentiated themselves enough at that point, except for maybe the psychologist, um, to where I did just completely forget which character was already we were already told would not survive to the next day, and I was like. All right, I don't I don't remember which one it is, but I'll I'll see it when it happens because clearly <laughs> it's not important enough that I'll, I was told it twenty pages ago. So anyway, there th- this is where the first flashback is, and they learn to not trust Austrian bankers. Well, no, no, I'm thinking of I'm sorry, I'm thinking of Red Dead too. Um, there, so so uh, this is <laughs> this is the first flashback, and they they kind of go back to their uh, or. I guess the biologist uh, reflects back on their specific training, and uh, she remembers originally the expedition had five members, um, including a linguist, um, who I forget what happened. 
They backed out. What the happened last to minute. her? She yeah, she backed out at the last minute, but was there like, was there like any reason? I don't remember why. As far as I'm aware, the psychologist was just like, yeah, she decided she didn't want to do this after all, so she's not coming. I think so. That's the all linguist has has a stroke of uh, good luck and and perhaps good judgment, and decides to not go on this mission. Um, and then they kind of like she kind of continues to go on to like and this was like very at the last minute essentially like the the evening or the night before uh they were set to to hike into the into the into area x and she has like a a vague recollection of like the facility and like how austere it was and it was like you know typical creepy scientist government building and then she kind of has like a, a little bit of a recollection, but not a very distinct or strong one of, of like the of the hypnosis um, that that uh, they they all kind of undertook before they went on the mission. Yeah, um, I, I will say something that I feel like Vandermeer does really well is kind of plant these seeds that once you're given some information later on about especially specifically about the, the the hypnosis and the psychologist it kind of makes all these things that you've read previously you read them differently and you're like oh wow that's yeah striking. That, that is one of the, the stronger aspects of the book is it's it is it is a pretty tightly crafted narrative yeah i mean it's 200 pages it's got to be pretty tight they kind of have a discussion amongst themselves and the biologist really wants to go down into the tower because something is really drawing her to it. She just has like a real fascination with it. I think they mentioned that it was made with like it was like cement and and sh- and like seashells or something like that. I can't remember the exact um the exact uh description. It was like stones and something else, some sort of shells. And um she's really drawn to it, so she really wants to go. So the psychologist is like, "Yes, you want to go to the tower but it's i'm calling it a tunnel you want to go to the tunnel this is the tunnel you're looking for and the uh the surveyor is like eh, i'd rather go like you know survey personally and then the anthropologist is like yeah but like the tower the the tunnel is cool so they it's not a democracy and there wasn't a vote but basically three to one the tower so they they're going there and there's the interesting about interesting thing about it and i love how i forgot who i think it's the anthropologist has like exact dimensions of the of this tower it's like it is it is 7.9 inches raised off of the ground and it is this many feet in circumference and all of these interesting things that are i'm assuming to suggest that it it's not a natural formation uh clearly i mean there's a staircase going down it and it's like it's damn near directly north is where the staircase starts and so uh they're they're staring at it and uh i think it's the i think it's the surveyor i it's either the surveyor or the anthropologist it's not really that important one of them's like i'm gonna go down first and they're like yeah sure yeah don't let me stop you and so she goes down there and she says the uh i think it's the surveyor because she has the assault rifle i think uh, and they're like, yeah, th- this level is clear, and so um, the other two of them go down. Um, I think the psych, yeah, the psychologist is the one that stays up at the top to kind of keep guard. So she stays up at the top while the biologist and the other one that I didn't 
mention that is not down there first. Uh, they go down there, and they go down the stairs, and there's like a, they're at like I guess the first landing, so to say, and uh, it's just there's smooth walls, and uh, there's like another staircase they eventually find. It's just a really kind of like weird room, for lack of a better term, and it's just really kind of confounding them. Yeah, one of them finds another staircase, and uh, they shine their lights down. They're like, hey, come and look at this. And they shine their lights down, and there's some weird kind of markings on the on the wall of the staircase going down. So the biologist is like, I got this. Um, you know, I'm a biologist, and let me let me do my thing. And she goes down there and looks, and it's, it's writing in cursive on the wall, but it's not right it's it's not like someone wrote on it with ink or paint or something like that it's something that's growing out of the wall and so she goes down and looks at it and it looks like she she realizes it's some sort of like fungi that's growing out and when she leans in to get a better look one of them opens up and shoots spores out at her and so now she's contaminated with whatever it is that uh was on the wall and it, she's like reading the I don't have the, the in front of me, but it's like this. It's almost kind of like poetry that seems to exhibit feelings of annihilation. Dun dun dun! Like, ooh, clever. Um, but she doesn't want to let it be known that she basically just got contaminated with whatever spores this this fungi just released. So she just kind of plays it off, and it's like, yeah, we should. Uh, we should come back later, but we should have um, the proper equipment, like breathing masks, before we do, just in case any contaminant materials are down here or something. And the other two women are like kind of they, they're like, all right, yeah, whatever, but you know, not really suspicious about anything. It was just kind of like that's a little bit of a weird thing to say, but I mean, you're you're the expert of this particular thing, so who are we to question you? And so. They're gonna leave for now, and as they uh, they go back up to the top, they explain to the psychologist what's going on, and she's like, "Oh, really? Huh? Words on the wall? Huh? Well, uh, let me go check this out myself." And she goes down and checks it out for like fifteen minutes, and she comes back out and is like, "Yeah, that's it's not something I've ever seen before. Yeah, it's kind of weird, isn't it?" So, yeah, they decide that they're going to. Uh, they're going to go back to camp for the night, kind of do some uh, general doings for the rest of the day. Just things around the general base camp area to kind of keep them busy. And tomorrow they're going to go out and uh, do a proper spelunking of the tower, so to say. So they're all doing things that best befit their own um, area of expertise. And we have the biologist who... Decides to climb up on a, on the tree and look out in the direction of... So one of the beacons that they're given, and I think their general mission is to go to this. It is the, it's a lighthouse. And uh, I think their goal is to go to the lighthouse and they're supposed to kind of explore and survey a certain amount of land past the, the lighthouse along the coast. And she's like looking out towards the ocean, uh, out towards the beach and like where the lighthouse is. And 
it's like very soothing for her and it brings her back memories of when she was a kid and the house that her and her parents were renting and it had a pool and neither of her parents were really they didn't really give a shit about the pool at all they were just kind of stuck doing their own things trying to survive like the mom was um an alcoholic artist and the father was um an accountant that was just constantly trying to get uh, a successful get rich quick scheme going and she didn't have any friends and they kind of tried to push her to be normal but she refused to be normal because she's not like the other girls and so they eventually just kind of like were like all right fine whatever and so she took her aquarium she goes out to the pool and she dumps the aquarium into uh the pool and i, I love how there's a line how she's like she's like some of the fish survived the transfer like it's not really that big of a deal that she just ostensibly inadvertently to be fair but all the same murdered a couple of fish just for this little experiment that she was that she's about to do but like the ones that survive they they start to kind of thrive and so nature had already kind of tried to take back this little patch of land that the that the pool was was around but her kind of putting putting her hand on the scale so to say of of creating this sort of um I don't want to say terrarium. I don't think that's that's accurate. Um, she kind of creates her own little ecosystem in this pool, and it starts to bring about actual life from nature in it. Like herons come, and you know, do whatever herons do around pools. Uh, turtles and frogs come. She like names them, and she she essentially becomes the the overlord of this little minor ecosystem that she just will go out and she'll watch it and she'll take notes about it and she makes it a, she says like she pretends to be a biologist and how that kind of can tend to create a facsimile of the real thing and that's kind of what led her to become an actual biologist later on in life and she would take notes and try and figure out the the uh the actual biology and nature of all of these creatures and she would she makes it a point to say she refused to look in books she refused to do any research that wasn't her doing any strictly on the field research no books no uh like reading papers nothing any anything that she came across any information that she gathered will be something she gathered firsthand from the the pool itself and it's it's I don't know I I I think this is a pretty good section honestly I think it gives us a little backstory to the biologist it kind of gives her a little bit of depth and a little bit of motivation that kind of we see the kind of through line of her life to get her to this point from like you know point A to point B point A being her as a kid and B being now um, and I don't I don't know I think it just kind of gives you a little glimpse of this not very normal girl and what kind of kept her not normal up to this point i don't know i think it's a kind of it's a nice little passage despite the the uh, inadvertent uh fish murder that goes about in it but I, I i don't know uh all this to say that it leads to you know her becoming a biologist eventually later on in life but there something happens their parents can't make ends meet and they have to move and she has to Did, didn't one die no, both her parents are still, or at least at this point, they're still alive. I think. Oh. Um, For some reason, I, I thought I thought her dad passed away or or something, and that's why they had to move. You're making me feel like I forgot something. Like that very well could be true, and I just completely forgot it. 
I don't know. I, I've, I've, or maybe I'm conflating it with a different, similar story. Yeah. All the same. Uh, they have to move. So they move to some other apartment, and she has to leave her, her pool behind, and she wonders if the next owner or the the next renters uh kept it up or if they just kind of got rid of it and used it for the way that god intended it for for you know lazy weekends of of lounging in the pool and sunbathing and but she's like she's like yeah but you know it's she has herself uh um if i look back i'm lost kind of thing if for any george rr martin fans in the in the chat (laughs) woo uh uh She's like, yeah, I should never, uh, I never look back, never go back to what I was always just constantly look towards the future. And that's, that's something that she's kind of lived by this whole time. The only exception being when they were heading into the, uh, area X, she looks behind her despite being told not to, and sees a little bit of a shimmer, uh, a little like foggy light shimmer as they're, as they're coming in, which I thought was a pretty cool little bit. I don't know. I really, I really liked this flashback with the pool. Yeah, I mean, it definitely informs you of, of who she is as a character. Yeah. But it just, yeah. Just, just in, in general, though, I'm just I'm just not sold on her as a character. So, But I think this is one of the stronger moments of the writing. Of her as a character to kind of like... It definitely gives you... Cause I'm, and I'm not one of those people that thinks you have to like make a likable protagonist per se... I think they just have to be interesting in some respect or another. Um, like, uh, uh, long-time listeners may remember back when we were doing... Um, yeah, when we were doing Leviathan Wakes, I was not, like, super fond of either protagonist. Um, but it was... They were compelling in their way. And they and they were they were charismatic enough and you know well realized enough as like they that it was it did not like significantly impede my interest or other otherwise my enjoyment in the book but i do feel like in this instance this is like this is like the peak of it because you could you you see this this little girl who's not really had a lot of um who's not probably not had enough attention given granted to her by her by her parents She's someone who is not able to reconcile her own life, so she has to live it vicariously through the subjects in which she studies. Yeah, I think I think that might be there. May be something to that. Is like she, um, you know, it's it's is the sort of the sort of sense of isolation as a youth that she was never able to like fully like integrate with in 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 a social context with people around her. And so that she can best un- the way she best understands life, and um, both in terms of like life writ large, like the the existence and interconnection of of different beings and species, um, and also her own life, you know, her her personal life is at this this, this remove. At she she has a very distant, um, removed nature about herself. That is, she's almost um, in many instances she's more an observer than a participant in her own life yeah and so back back to the present we go and it's it's like they're they're having their dinner they're having you know coming on having a few laughs and um we have this moment this is just 
So the psych the psychologist just whips out another batch of hypnosis. Uh, there's like a command word uh, or phrase that she says that kind of is supposed to start the 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 hypnosis itself. And the biologist notices that she's not being affected by it, but she's quick to mimic the effect that the surveyor and the anthropologist are under so as to not arise arouse any suspicion from the psychologist and so she realizes oh wow okay so at the very least what these spores have done to me is they've made me immune to the hypnosis of the psychologist which something i i I forgot to mention as well is she spent a lot of the rest of the day kind of keeping tabs on her own physical and mental well-being to see what the spores were possibly doing to her and she eventually concludes nothing at least nothing yet because she admits uh, could incubate incubation periods could be like months or years so for the very least you know there's nothing going on right now but that doesn't mean there's not gonna be anything going on ever but now she has figured out oh okay well at the very least this is a thing so I can't be I can't be um, hypnotized and so we get a kind of behind the curtain thing of, of the psychi the psychologists um, hypnosis measures and it's oh man i i find it kind of funny personally because it's things like you will agree with everything i say you think i'm really cool and rad and have a great fashion sense it it's i mean i know it's it's what it is is the southern reach has given the psychologist a very specific directive and she is very much i i I feel like she's an inside plant from the southern reach that's supposed to be controlling the mission through the and and the uh the three other women through hypnosis uh but i I just just thought it was kind of funny where it's just like she's just like uh you will agree with everything i say and you will think that uh it that you are doing this on your own volition but you will still have the autonomy to do things based on what you know uh with your with your own profession uh and i just love the little kicker at the end you will sleep well you will have no dreams and you will have no nightmares honestly that's that's the best part is like if i if you could just if you could just like sleep go to sleep and then wake up not be interdicted by dreams that i feel like that would be a good thing yeah just just generally for your life yeah so yeah we realized that the hip the uh hypnosis the hypnosis that's been put on these women is possibly I don't want to say nefarious because even the biologist at this point is just like, oh, um, I'm not supposed to be hearing this. And like, I, I kind of expected that the hypnosis would be, you know, a little more than what they kind of told us. Uh, but, you know, I just didn't know what it was, obviously. So she's not like super suspicious. It's just, it's just one of those like, oh, okay. So that's what's actually going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you pull back the curtain on that, I mean, obviously, she knows it's happening in an abstract sense, but when you actually, like, see it happen, or, like, the intentionality behind it, I'm sure it, it creates in you, or would create in you, this feeling of, like, oh, I, I don't love this. This is a little weird, you know? Yeah, the weird thing that does stick out to her, though, is one of the things that she says is, you will continue to think that the tunnel is made out of stone and uh, and and seashells or whatever whatever the material. I can't remember what the material was that she says. It's like stone and shells or uh, like sea cebolas. 
Sib- Sibylin. So I, I don't know. I don't have the book in front of me. Cibola. Cibola, yes. No. <laughs> it's made out of stone and Cibolba. <laughs> the, the greatest racing tower of all time. Um, but yeah, she's just like, uh, that's kind of weird for her to say that. It is made out of that, isn't it? And that's, you know, something that we'll get to pretty soon. Boo-hoo-hoo. So, she pretends to um, be affected by the hypnosis and go to bed with the rest of the women. But, you know, still thinks it's kind of weird. Um, and so then, she wakes up the next morning, gets out of her tent, and uh, her and the surveyor realize that uh the anthropologist is gone and the psychologist looks pretty haggard uh looks like she might have been uh hurt because she's favoring her right leg and there's like there's there's like mud or dirt on the sides of her boots and so you know initially they're just like um okay that's a little suspicious uh why is the anthropologist gone and she's like oh yeah no she's like i can't take it uh, this is too much for me. I gotta go home. And so she just, you know, left. She's like, I'm, I'm heading back. I'm, I'm done with this. And they're like, well, we can't, we can't really, um, we can't really do anything about this. Like, we can't just start heading back to try and cut off the anthropologist and see if the psychologist is telling the truth or not. It's just not really, not really viable. Well, they could, but the problem is. I think from the perspective of the biologist is you have to appear to be hypnotized into thinking oh we must go to the tower today because that was part of the thing you know so if she were to suddenly turn around and say like hey actually we need to figure what we need to look into this whole situation uh regarding the anthropologist you know I think that I think that would that would basically give her away and also the surveyor is probably not going to... Obviously the, the uh, psychologist is not going for it because she has her own agenda and the agenda is to specifically to take them to the tower. And the surveyor is probably not going to go for it because she's hypnotized to want to go to the tower. Yeah, but she does have at least some sort of free will enough to where she's just kind of... She's still kind of sussed about it. Like, mm, that's... Uh, I mean, yeah, we should check out the tower, I guess, but that's kind of weird. And so, yeah, they go back to the tower... And the psychologist is like, all right, so um, you guys go ahead and go. I'm going to keep watch out here. And they're both just like, um, no, we should. This is a three-person thing. We should stay together as a group. And the hypno, the, the, the psychiatrist has some hypnosis and is like, y- no, you think the two of you is perfect. She, there's like, I, I, what is it like the, the, the phrase that she uses? It's like something about... There is no risk uh, nor reward for uh, going into the, the, the tunnel with just the two of you. And uh, the surveyor gets all kind of glossy-eyed and is like, Yes, you should stay out here. It would be for the best. And the biologist once again to try and keep the guys up is like, Yeah, I don't think you should come with us anyways. Let's go, friend. And so the two of them just go down in there alone while the the psych the psychologist is just covering their exit, so to say. Which is kind of making the biologist feel a little more a little a little more unsettled about the psychologist to say the least. 
I don't blame her. Yeah, not a very trustworthy-seeming individual. No. It starts out kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird, but then as, as more and more time passes, it becomes a, uh, you're not, you're not on my side in this, so, like, what is, what is your, what's your agenda here? Like, what are you trying to do? She's, like, she's, she's giving the vibe of, um, do you remember, you know, remember an alien when they, they go to the computer, uh, mother, and they, they find the true nation, nature of their mission, um, you know, all other, uh, you know, crew, you know, crew expendable. That that she's she's giving crew expendable vibes is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they get down into the the tower again, but something that the biologist realizes is that the um, the walls are, it's like they're inside uh, of an organic creature. Like the walls are, they're like breathing almost, and she she feels like she hears and feels like a pulse in the wall and she grabs the the hand of the surveyor and like thrusts it on the wall and she's like can you feel that can you feel any of that and she's like no what the hell no it's like you're 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 panicking like we we need to go and the the biologist is like oh this must be part of the hypnosis that she can't see this so i gotta i gotta play this off because otherwise we're not gonna be able to explore the the tower at all and she's like oh yeah uh oops oh man just uh i just kind of lost myself for 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 a minute there uh don't worry about me and the the surveyor's like um yeah that's that's not good we should go and she's like no 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 no, no. it's fine it's fine think about the uh it's totally totally normal like they they, they they told us this could happen like oh it's fine it's fine everything's fine how are you and she's like okay that that makes sense let's keep going yeah i should say i should say here that um, while the surveyor is basically hypnotized into wanting to explore the tower specifically, uh, the the biologist has a compulsion that is native to herself to explore the tower because, like, she does not want to leave either. At least, Even as when far the... as we're aware so far, that it's her own volition. Well, that's true. It could be potentially some sort of outgrowth of the the spore in, infection or whatever, but. Uh, yeah, she 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 feels this. Uh, she feels compelled to continue the exploration, even when the the surveyor voices her own um, hesitate hesitations about proceeding. Yeah. So they they're going down further, and they're documenting all of the writing on the wall, like taking pictures, I think, and I think they're writing down notes in their journals. <sighs> oh. oh. And it's, it's kind of, they're just kind of going and things are going, you know, somewhat normal until eventually the surveyor's like, hey, um, is it just me or is this, is the writing here getting like more fresh? And so she looks at it and she's like, oh, wow, yeah, it's like, it's almost like somebody is writing this as they're going down the stairs and it's kind of like ink that's drying on a page, like the, like the, the fresh, like the, 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 you know, the, the, the more recently written words are gonna be it's the, the ink's gonna be more wet than the first words you wrote you know comparatively and that's something she's noticing as well and she's like ooh something is is writing this and it's it's probably still writing this as we're moving and that's kind of an unsettling thought for the surveyor um but the biologist is able to kind of push her to continue and so they're continuing on and on and on and on 
And then well, there's one one bit that I want to talk about here that's kind of interesting. Um, something below us is writing the script. This is uh, this is a biologist speaking. Something below us may still be in the process of writing the script. We were exploring an organism that may contain a mysterious second organism, which itself was using other organisms to write on the wall. It made the overgrown pool of my youth seem simplistic, one-dimensional. <coughs> we turned our lights back on. I saw fear in the surveyor's eyes, but also a strange determination. I have no idea what she saw in me. Why did you say something, she asked. I didn't understand. Why did you say something rather than someone? Why can't it be someone? I just shrugged. Um, I don't know. I, th I thought that was very interesting. This, uh, this, like, this creeping idea of, like, you know, it, like this, this creature that is not exactly human, but still writing in, like, using human language. I don't know. I just, I, I just really like that passage. It just, it's very, it's, like, really, really creepy in a very cool way. Yeah. So they, they continue down the stairs further and further. Until eventually the surveyor's like, hey, um, there's something on the steps. And so they, they look, and there's some sort of, like, residue that's kind of built up on the steps. And you can see there's, like, imprints on it, like, from their boots, for one. But there's something else, and it's, like, these kind of... They're, like, ovals, right? Like, indentions of, like, ovals? Um... I'm looking. I'm not. I'm looking at it. I, a flurry of indentations inside these shapes re resembled marks left by cilia. Um. I don't know what a cilia is. Isn't that like like a little, like, the little legs of like a, like a, like like a trilobite or something. An eyelash. And I guess so. <laughs> See, I'll, I'll read the the, the, uh, the what you're talking about the indentations. Um, I studied the marks for a moment, sliding or perhaps dragged, but slowly enough to to reveal much more in the residue left behind. The marks she pointed to were oval. Okay, that's what you were saying, and about a foot long by a half foot wide. Six of them were splayed over the steps in two rows. A flurry of indentations inside these shapes rem resembled the marks left by cilia. Okay. The... So like little hair like follicle 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 words are hard. Yeah, so there's like the there's like the oval shaped indentations which are probably like feet and then there was the 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 trail that was being dragged. It was like they she compared it to a slug, but a slug I think she says it's like more like a fuzzy kind of uh trail uh and so it's it's like very unlike a slug in that in that regard um and like something much larger and they also notice uh a boot print and she's like yeah that's just you know our boots and the surveyor's like no it's going it's it's going the other direction it's it's going up the stairs and like he's like oh that's interesting so someone else was down here before so they keep going and the surveyor stops and she sees what she thinks is a body off in like the next landing so uh, the biologist goes to check it out 
and it turns out it's the body of the anthropologist. So she gets the surveyor, and she's like, hey, cover me while I, uh, while I check out the body. And she's looking over the anthropologist, and, uh, man, she is, she's messed up, to, 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 to put it very lightly. Uh, see, I, let me flip, flip to it. Um, okay, here we go. Um, gently, I knelt beside the anthropologist. There wasn't much left of her face, and odd burn marks were left all over her remaining skin. Spilling out from her broken jaw, which looked as though someone had wrenched it open in a single act of brutality, was a torrent of green ash that sat on her chest in a mound. Her palms up in her lap and had no skin left on them. Uh, only a kind of gauzy filament and more burn marks. Her legs seemed fused together and half melted. One boot missing and one flung against the wall. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, not doing too well. No, not at all. And so now the uh, the biologist, she hits the left bumper and turns on detective mode and begins <laughs> to piece together this mystery. Uh, the, the theory she posits is that um, basically she encountered, the anthropologist encountered the creature that was doing the writing and probably also leaving those indentations on the stairs. And it killed her. Just to be blunt about it. But then she she does a little more sleuthing and goes back up the stairs just far enough to where uh, you'd be able to look into that area where her body was. And she's like, okay, so here's what happened. The anthropologist was hypnotized by the psychologist to come down here. They came down here together and when the, the psychologist saw the creature made like coerced the anthropologist through hypnosis to go and try and get a sample of it the creature was not happy about that and so it decided to kill the anthropologist uh, can which... you imagine the, the psychologist like hey um can you get a sample of that like bug man over there that's like writing on the wall <laughs> can you like like uh, go get a skin sample <laughs> yeah that's just like a, that's just a crazy a crazy suggestion like I don't even understand how that 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 would work in pro and I in, in in just just any reason I don't understand why you would do that. Yeah. You, know, you you can't just like be like hey creepy bug man go hey can you can you just let us have like a little chunk you know. <laughs> Excuse they, me, sir. Can I just have a sample of you? That just that that was that just shows the the true depth of the um. The failure of the leadership on the, of this mission, yeah, by the psychologist. So that's probably when she fled back up to the surface and probably injured her her left leg a little bit in the process and got some got some little dirt on her boot. I don't know. That's that's why she was the way she was in the morning. And so now the biologist is trying to explain to the uh, the surveyor her theory and about the tr the truth about at least half of the truth about the hypnosis and how she's like oh it's not affecting me anymore but not why it may not be affecting her anymore and the surveyor doesn't really want to believe it but also has the anthropologist's body right there and knows that the psychologist said that she left so you know clearly two and two aren't adding up so she's like I don't really believe you but I, I don't have a reason not to believe you either yet so I'm kind of like 
cautiously going to follow you through with this for now. Uh, but yeah, you know, let, we should we should we should go back up now. And say, like, yeah, let's let's go back up. We need to we need to be ready just in case the psychologist is planning something for us when we get back up there. Uh, but before they leave, the biologist takes uh, one of the sample tubes that the uh, the anthropologist had, which has something in it. So it's like, oh, nice, you actually did get something. So yeah, now they got to head back up to the surface where the psychologist is supposed to be waiting for them. And I feel like now is do you want to you want to do the entirety of her husband's story now? Get that out of the way. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a good time for it. So at this point. Um... You know, she's she's kind of reflecting on the nature as she's reflecting on the nature of their expedition. She kind of takes her turns her thoughts more broadly to this sort of this entire venture of the expeditions into Area X, and she kind of gives us a little more context about the history of the project writ large. Um, whereas, like the first the first expedition basically came and they were like. Yeah, I don't know what the big deal is. Actually, this this place is very normal, very just like it's cool, it's fine. Um, yeah, everything's good. And then they sent two more expeditions, a second and a third, and uh, both did not return. Um, and then in subsequent expeditions, have had uh, various levels of success, ranging from like fairly normal to like people dying kind of situation. And um, then she kind of reflects back on her husband, who was on the 11th expedition as a medic. And she kind of talks about how um, his his life and who he was and how he was in, in the Navy. And, um, you know, he was like a, a medic in the Navy. And then after he separated from the Navy, he was he was a, a, like a first responder, like EMT type guy. Um and that was kind of like what he was doing with his life until a friend of his um, was, was uh, you know, he was part of this program and he kind of recruited him. And, um, you know, this created a, a conflict that was pretty detrimental to uh, the biologists and her husband's marriage. And she kind of talks about how this was kind of the it kind of like this was kind of the breakdown of their relationship because she did not want him to go um and uh he he felt like he had to go because essentially their marriage was crumbling she he didn't really feel like he was you know either like wanted or needed it just he just needed he just wanted to do something i think that was Constructive, something that he, something that he do something where he felt like he was needed or like he was important in some respect. So anyway, they they um, he goes on this this adventure and um, a biologist mentions in passing that she's she was a little bit concerned about whether or not that his his participation in the the previous expedition would disqualify her from her uh, participating. But this, it seemed to be, bear no um, relevancy to the screening process. Um, and she also claims that her husband going on in this expedition uh, did not influence her thinking um, as to whether she would go on the mission or not. Um, I don't know how true that is. I mean, 
but it is it is uh, it is something that she claims anyway. So anyway, about a year after the husband goes on the mission, um, she's she's in in her bed at home, and she hears some noises um, outside of her her door, like downstairs. And she goes, she grabs a baseball bat, creeps downstairs, and she looks in her kitchen, and she sees her husband there. And he's like, he's, my man is chowing down, he's eating some like, some like leftovers, and he's just, just like ravenously eating. And she's, you know, asking him questions that he's not really able to answer. Like, she's asking him about the, the expedition, and he can only give like, mostly monosyllabic um or just vague answers um and he also seems to have um he doesn't act like himself in the past like he doesn't act like he's her husband he he acts like he obviously he knows her like he like there's like a, a clear sense of recognition there but it is like it's like seeing a a a person like a like a like a low-level friend or like upper tier acquaintance kind of situation that's the kind of vibe she's getting anyway so anyway she's kind of confused about it and she's just like um she she gets him up she gets him upstairs and she like gets him like changed and you know showered and and you know they they uh they they, they kind of continue on and th- there's basically that's this sort of distance that has grown between them um and or his sort of like vague and uh amnesiac like nature um basically never never goes away um there's so there there's I, I think there was like this one instance where she's like she sees the the next morning where he's like standing outside and he's like they had a boat or something or he or the husband had bought a boat and he's just standing outside and he's just staring at it with like a certain like perplexed nature to himself like he he in the sense that you might have if you you went outside out of your house or apartment or whatever and you saw parked in you know out front was a boat and you're like how did this get here why did i do why did i get this um and she that's when she really knows that something something very wrong is has happened and uh the next evening basically people associated with the expedition come come by the house and they're like hey um yeah so we're gonna need your husband back um we're just gonna have to observe him because yeah something's not something's kind of weird here and she doesn't she gives like zero pushback she's like she's actually kind of like relieved of them to take her which it sounds pretty cold but also i may be somewhat understandable because he he clearly came back and is like just like a total space case and he's just like totally not the same guy like so there's there's clearly something very wrong with him um and she mentions also that uh about six months after that incident uh he died of cancer 
I will. Uh, I don't know if this is something you caught or not, but this is my understanding of it. She's the one that called them to come and get him. Oh, really? I. Yeah, she says that I... she called the emergency number that he left her uh, when he went to go on the expedition. Wow. And she said she said that dined out realized... by your own wife. Yeah, and she wow. she like she realized that he wasn't really her husband anymore, so she she did what she needed to do, and that was. I, I, I understood that as she called them, and that's why she did nothing when they came and got him. Oh, I you're probably right. I might have just not remembered that because of the amnesia. What are we doing again? Who am I? So anyway, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the story of of her and the husband. I I had actually forgotten that she was the one that that uh, reported him. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. And and maybe that's why that they they didn't uh, they they were okay with her coming on because <laughs> they're like yeah she's 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 gonna be loyal to our ends anyway at least enough loyal enough yeah um it does make so me wonder I think that... if if there's some sort of I don't know um symptom or like contamination inside of area x that will that that is cancer causing and whether or not all these other characters because we only know about the husband because that's the only one only character that we get any form of information of after uh in a, in a post expedition kind of context so mm-hmm. we don't know if any other person because it, it ha- she has mentioned that um Expedi- expedition members in the past would just kind of appear outside of Area X at their own homes and they couldn't really explain like acting very similarly to her husband um, but she never mentioned whether or not they died of cancer so it's not something that we really know if, if that's something well, it, that is coincidental or if it is uh, uh, directly related to Area X well things in Area X definitely do get some sort of there is some sort of it's the word mutagenic mutagenic quality to it because if you remember at the back of the beginning with the um did we talk about this i forget like the 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 boar that charged them oh we did not so when they were hiking in um and this is kind of the first like weird event they're they're they hear in the distance like this sort of like bizarre noise that they're not able to identify what it is there's just like some sort of like weird squealing creepy creature call um and then they kind of see they look in the distance and they see there's this what they think is a boar charging towards them and they're like oh there's that's weird and so they're they're kind of like unsure and they're, they're still kind of like somewhat under the the influence of the hypnosis at this time so their their affect is not normally what you would be if you were under attack by a wild animal but as it draws closer they see that the head specifically the face is kind of like i don't know quite how to put it mangled twisted it's like like the the head is it doesn't look the way it should like it's like something bad that we would interpret as badly wrong has happened to this creature and it is like deformed in a in a in a very um bizarre and off-putting way and that is probably partially why it's it's calls are 
are so creepy and weird. Um, I think they shoot at it. I think that I think the surveyor basically she like drops to one knee. I don't know if we talked about this either, but the surveyor comes from a military background, so she gets on a knee and does like marksman drill or whatever. And she, I don't think she actually hits the boar. Um, interestingly enough, but I think it runs off. But that that's that. So so all that to say, um, cancer, as far as I know, uh, is a mutation. Just so I'm. I think there's there is a a a strong potential there that there's there's like some there's a correlation there. Yeah. Definitely a a very unnatural area. Um I got a question for you. Sure. If they discover a new chemical in area X, what do you think they'll call it? Um probably something like semical, you know, just just replace um just replace like the 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 ch at the beginning just throw throw the x at the beginning mm. i don't know i was thinking i might throw it at the end yeah i mean chemicals eh, i don't know yes that's what i meant <laughs> i know where you're getting at chemical x <laughs> they're they're gonna the, this is this is actually like a stealth origin story for um th- that uh that 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 reboot of the the powerpuff girls that didn't get off the ground yeah and see, so, what a bizarre okay. concept like a, a a gritty reboot of the powerpuff girls it's just like ugh, just a terrible idea <laughs> so this is actually um so yeah this is a prequel to the powerpuff girls um i've been trying to kind of avoid the spoilers for it but that is this is that um also uh, this does not take place in Florida, um, actually. It, it takes place on an island uh, about 80 miles off the coast of uh, Costa Rica. Uh, <laughs> yes, this is indeed a sequel to Jurassic Park, which also means, once again, that this is also a prequel to Leviathan Wakes. The uh, the Sad Boys Book Club expanded universe is, yes. uh, is being born here. Yes, it is. All of these books are connected. We are reading these on purpose because we're trying to show you the truth that you refuse to see all of these books are connected there is one big universe yes so now back to the present they come out of the the tower but the psychologist is nowhere to be found uh that's making the the surveyor a little more suspicious too but not really sure how to handle it and she's like okay we need to go we need to get out of here like this mission's over we need to go to the extraction point and wait for extraction and uh the biologist is like yeah, but, you know, I really want to keep exploring that tower, so no. So she's just like, let's go back to the the base camp. Let's just kind of keep doing our, our job, so to say, and we'll figure this out tomorrow. And so they go back to the base camp. She's looking through the uh, the samples, and uh, it's all, a lot of it kind of it seems like it fits in for what she kind of expects. Uh, meanwhile, the, the surveyor is um, she's, she's developing all the photos they took down there. But then when she gets to the sample that she took from the uh, the uh, anthropologist's body, she realizes that it matches brain tissue. And she's like, that's really weird. Like, brain tissue in humans. She's like, this had to have come from the exterior of whatever it is that killed the anthropologist. So it being brain matter, like, that can't be right. And the uh, the surveyor agrees that it definitely, like, agrees with her hypothesis that it's, it's brain matter. So it's like, oh, that's, that's really weird. Uh, meanwhile, all of the photos are terrible 
like the, the the ones that are taking pictures specifically of the writing are just completely blown out with uh, just neon light it's just light pollution everywhere it's just bad photos and everything else is pitch black and it's just they're not usable so yeah the um, the biologist is trying to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and trying to convince the surveyor to to not just leave so she's like all right you know let's just you know uh, let's just turn in for the night and we'll figure out what we're doing tomorrow and they they decide to keep watch so they, they do shifts of keeping watch just in case the uh, psychologist comes back and has any plans for them and during the the watch with the biologist she notices that what she thinks is the light from the lighthouse there's a light going on and it makes two rotations before disappearing completely and that kind of like it kind of puts a little bit of fear in her because it kind of gives her an idea of 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 civilization used to be here and it's like it's kind of like a harrowing feeling yeah and like why why is the light on because yeah. no one's supposed to be here yeah and so now it's the next morning and uh she's like we gotta go to the lighthouse the 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 psychologist might be there and you know we gotta we gotta continue our mission and this you know this any information the psychologist has the biologist feels can help her with the tower Mm-hmm. And the surveyor's like, that's stupid. You're stupid. No. And I'm not going to do that. And the biologist is like, it'd be better if we, you know, we stuck together and the surveyor's just not really having it. She tries to mimic the psychologist's hypnotic attempts on her. And the surveyor realizes that. And it's just like, well, that's very awkward. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those, well, any semblance of a positive relationship that the two of them had is now just gone completely. And the surveyor's just like, fuck this chick. Um, so she's like, I'm just going to stay here. You can go do what you need to. I ain't moving. And the, the biologist's like, can I trust you for that? And she's like, fuck off. And she's like, all right, bye. And so now we, we end chapter two with the biologist leaving on her own, heading out towards the lighthouse, towards what she hopes is some answers. And yeah, that, that ends our, our, our bit here. Our, our first part of Annihilation. Very weird book so far. Very weird. Um, intriguing in its way, though. I, weird. I guess it is supposed to be weird. It is uh, that sort of neo-weird fiction, after all. Um, you know, I, I for all of the uh, criticisms I voiced earlier, I don't dislike the book. I am very intrigued like it, it does have like intriguing mysteries it's like so what is the the creature that was writing below them this weird bug-like brain-like creature um you know what, what what's what's the deal with that um you know what's going on with the lighthouse where is the psychologist you know you know there there's a lot of like interesting plot hooks so you know my criticisms of of the writing and of the characters notwithstanding i think this book is still like especially if you you're a person that's like into weird fiction um i think i think this book is you know there's i I, it's worth it's worth a shot yeah i'm enjoying it so far i don't like i said earlier i don't really have anything like glowingly positive to say about it but i don't have anything really negative to say about it either outside of minor personal preference things like i don't generally care for first person point of view as much anymore 
But I mm-hmm. mean, it's that's such a minor complaint. I'm not gonna not read a book because it's first person. It's just it's that's that's a perspective that I don't much care for anymore as I've as I've gotten older. But that's like I said, a minor complaint, all things considered. And I do think this book wor- works better with it than without it. But I don't really have anything negative about the book itself to say. It's just it's 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 a totally fine, good, enjoyable read so far. Nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. Well, I think that'll probably do do us for this time. We're as as ever. We're a little bit longer than I expected, but um, you know, thank you everybody for coming along, and uh, look forward to talking about uh, talking about this book. Hopefully, wrapping it up next time, but we will see. Um, once again, this is the Sad Boys Book Club. I am Daniel. I'm Dusty, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Have a good one. <laughs>